0: Welcome to the Kenmore Church Podcast. We are all about filling hearts and fueling mission. We hope this content builds your heart and mind and equips you to reveal Jesus in this season of your life. Good morning to you. Welcome to Online Church. And uh, as you would know, we're meeting in person in our gatherings now, but we're going to continue to provide this online content as part of our strategy to just broaden our reach for the kingdom and for the gospel. So welcome to you from whatever setting you are, whether you're near to us at Kenmore in Brisbane or far away. We welcome uh, all people to our congregation here. And we just pray that this would be a real blessing for you. We do this so that the content we provide would be missional in the sense that You can have other people with you, you can uh, invite people into your home setting that wouldn't normally be a part of coming to a larger gathering of God's people on a Sunday. And we also do it for those who haven't got a church right now, who are perhaps in between church or investigating our church. So we love you to be uh, joining with us as well and and welcome you to come to our uh, in-person gatherings, which would be fantastic. And we just pray for those who are enjoying this as their online church, as sort of a virtual congregation, if you're already committed to doing that as part of our church. We just ask you to pray about your contribution to that so we can invest even more deeply into providing better and better content. And so if you want to contribute financially to what we're doing here, you can go online to the link that's on the screen there now. And uh, there's just easy ways for you to contribute, whether large or small. Everything helps and it would be a blessing to us as we bless you in that. So this week we're starting a new theme. We're talking about the theme of then and now. And we're looking at how the historic Jesus... The Jesus that we read about in scripture, how he walks with us now. Because some people have said that the Christian practice, the Christian belief is now outdated. It's like, look, the scriptures, they applied to then, but they don't really apply to now. Jesus was alive then, but he's not with us now walking around. And this creates all sorts of tensions in the modern world. How do we read the Bible? How do we um, apply the principles that it had for a different historical, different cultural setting? How do we apply them now? How do we live a life that walks with Jesus when He's not walking with us now? How does that actually work out? What applies then and what applies now? And so we want to tease that out fully and um, really bring to life again, not only the, the narrative of Scripture, but the God of Scripture, the God that who lived and impacted back then, because he still lives, obviously, and is still impacting now. But many of us aren't quite sure how to interact with that. So I want to start with some scripture from John chapter 16, where Jesus himself says it's actually better, better that he's not with us in person. Let's read it from John 16. He says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And then a bit later in the conversation in John 16:7, he says, Very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. I wonder if you feel like it's good that Jesus went away. Have you ever wished that Jesus was here and there? I know I have. I know I did, I've thought at times that it would just be so much easier, so much better if I could just see Him, if I could just talk to Him, touch Him and, and see how He lives and, and see how He does it. Because our life here can be tough and, and it's confusing and it's, and it's lonely and I just want to see Him face to face. Have you ever felt that? Sometimes we feel distant from God. We think He just seems so far away because obviously we can't see Him. And so this creates such a different dynamic for us. And it can feel like we're serving a master that we don't really know. We may even feel if we've had a a harsh relationship with our own father or he's been a little bit distant, we may see God in the same sort of way that he's this brooding distant presence that we just need to check in with now and again or maybe apologise to constantly for being bad that day or something like that. Maybe you just want to hear him more clearly and, and just be in close proximity so you can hear him like Peter and John did in the scriptures where they leant against him. I know for all of us, that would be great. But Jesus said, it's better for you that I go away. It's better for you that it's not like that. And I don't think many of us would reflexively say, gee, it feels better for us. But we need to take Jesus at his word then and and begin to discover what exactly did he mean? Because surely if we're feeling distant, if we're feeling disconnected, if we're feeling worse off, then surely we're missing something that he's promised us. I don't know about you, but I love looking at the the pictures on the internet of the then and now. Uh, Was like this, is now like that. I love looking at the streets that I know, that I walk around in now. I love looking at the pictures of yesterday when it was, it wasn't, uh, motor vehicles and buses and trains, it was horses and carts and people just walking along. You look at pictures of my own city, Brisbane, from the 1860s and 70s, and you see it was just grass, it was just fields and trees and, and mud and all that kind of thing. And we look now at the multi-story skyscrapers and we think, wow, what a different life it would have been. But we think, it's what were those people thinking? What were they going through? And, and we realise how different our life is from then. And we can do the same with scripture. We can say, well, that was then, and this is now. Is there any correlation? Is there any relation between the two? And we soon forget that the people of then and the people of now show so much in common. We have the same hearts, the same longings, the same DNA. We are still people. And so we can draw correlations and connections with the past and realize, okay, God met those needs back then. He can be meeting those now. And so Jesus said, it's better for you that I go away. He said his absence from us is actually an upgrade. There's something about this dynamic with God that's better for us if he's not with us in person. It almost seems unimaginable, but that's the clear reality that he said. Because he said, if I go away and the Spirit comes, I can actually be with you always, in every setting, in every place. See, Jesus came as one person. He only dwelt with people as a disciple builder, a rabbi, for three years. He said, you can have me for your whole life as close as the air that you breathe. I can be with you and I can be with you in the same way that I was when you could see me. He said, I will send you another. I'm going to send you another advocate, he says. Some translations say another counsellor. But if you look closely at the the original word that he said at the time, the word for uh, another was the word, allos. And that's as opposed to the other Greek word, which is heteros. So let me explain the two. If he said, I will send you another, and it was heteros, he was, he'd be like saying, I'm going to send you one that's different to me. So it, it's a bit like saying, if I have an apple, I'm going to give you uh, another fruit. I could give you uh, an orange. It's still fruit, but it's different. That's not what he was talking about. He wasn't saying, I'm going to give you someone who's sort of God, but different. He's saying, no, I'm going to give you one just like me. The word is alos. It means I'm giving you the exact same kind. If this is an apple, I'm giving you an apple. He's saying, I, Jesus, am with you. Not something that's remotely similar, exactly the same. The only difference is we can't see and touch him. But the Jesus of the Bible, the Jesus who walked on water, the Jesus who raised the dead, the Jesus who rose from the dead, that Jesus is with you and I as close as the air that we breathe. See, then it was Jesus in the flesh. Now it's Jesus, the Spirit. Just as powerful, just as empowering for your life, just as gracious, just as forgiving, just as easy to ignore and just as able to pursue. And this is a dynamic we need to understand. When Jesus was then in the flesh, people could accept or reject. People could pursue or walk away. They could uh, come after him and follow, or they could just see him in the crowd and keep walking past. And we can do the same now with the Spirit. It's the same Jesus and our same responses can come out. See, this Spirit of Jesus is with us in this crazy and complex and often lonely world that we live in. He said, I am with you. The only thing we need to understand is, am I with him? Uh, It's our choice. As it was then, still it is now. So how could it be actually better for us now that Jesus is with us in the spirit as opposed to in the flesh? Well, there's the obvious obvious, uh, dynamic that it's unbroken presence. He never leaves. He's always with. He's closer than the air that we breathe. But beyond that, there's also another significant difference about the presence of the spirit in our life because it signifies an incredible uh, world-changing shift in our relationship with God and with God and his people. See then, back then, before the Holy Spirit, for thousands of years, humanity were completely powerless to overcome their old nature and their sin. They had no real say in it. They had the law there, a standard to try and live to that they could never get to. Um, Our relationship with God was like a somewhat distant master who we could never see or understand and feel like many times that we could never please. But now it's different. What was then is not. What's now? Now we are with the Holy Spirit. And so the unattainable expectation of the law becomes an inevitable, unavoidable fruit if we're living in close proximity with Him. And the relationship with God shifted from being a judge to a father. Big difference there. We're no longer slaves, now we are privileged children. The presence of the Spirit enables that, is the indicator of that, it's the marker of that. And so absolutely, it is better that we have the Spirit we were living back then with jesus in the flesh because the disciples pre the resurrection they didn't know what we know now they were walking with jesus in the flesh but this whole adoption into god's family happened after the resurrection so now the shift is that god is not something or someone that we know about now he's someone that we know personally deeply relationally dynamically all the time so let's have a look at this in detail because paul in the in the years after the resurrection and the Holy Spirit coming in Acts chapter two. He talks a lot about this new adoptive relationship. He says in Romans chapter seven, that it used to be like that then. Back then I was a, I was a slave to the old nature. I do what I don't want to do and so on. That whole Romans seven um, low depiction of humanity that says that we're out of control. We can't do anything right even if we want to try. And he says, now we live in Romans eight. And I want to talk directly to some scriptures from Romans eight to talk about the difference between then and now let's pick it up in Romans 8, 1-2. He says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. So he's saying back then there was only condemnation of, uh, from God and really condemnation from ourself, the own self-assessment, the self-criticism that we do, that judgment, that guilt, that that personal condemnation. So there was not much you could really do about that. There was a total inability to live uh, beyond our fleshly capacity. But now, he's saying, now there's life, there's freedom. We're no longer chained to our old nature. We no longer have an obligation to live as if we're in chains. And to Paul, this is a, a thumping big deal. This is like Man, everything changes with that because he'd known nothing but the law. History had known nothing but the law and failure. And now he's saying that which we could never live up to. Now we can't help it if we just tap into and live and lean into the spirit in our life. He goes on in uh, verse five, he says, Those who live according to the flesh have their mindset set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their mindset set on what the spirit desires. He's saying, back then, uh, I was focused on the carnal world, the, the, the greed, the sex, the ambition, the money, all the things that we just live as a victim to. And he's saying, but now, now my mind can be focused on life, on the kingdom, on purpose, on that which really matters. I'm free. And for him, this was absolutely fantastic. But we need to pause there just a moment and say, hang on, what he's saying that's not often my experience. I mean, what Paul's talking about in Romans chapter 8, I actually can't really um, relate to that too much. I feel much more like the victim of my flesh still. I still feel like I'm stuck in Romans chapter 7. And that's the paradox of this time. All that life is available. Just as the life that came from being with Jesus was available with him, You know, we could, we could draw near to him or we could turn away. That same dynamic. That's why he says, I'm going to send one who is just like me. And we can react the same way. That which is available is not automatic unless we learn the skill of partnering with the Spirit. The truth is, sometimes we do feel powerless. It's not God's fault. He's not the one holding back. It's our ability as humanity to learn to lean into Him and His power. See, you can sit in a very fast and powerful motor car, for example. You can sit there all you like, but that doesn't mean you're going to go anywhere. If you can't learn to put your foot on the gas and learn how to steer that thing, you're never really going to go far at all, are you? And so as a Christian, our skill needs to be, how do I learn how to partner with God's spirit? Because by default, we're going to keep trying to go back to the way our minds used to think. See, many of us are still living in the then. We're not living in the now. Uh, and Paul goes on to say in Romans 12:1, he says, you're transformed from, from then to now by the renewing of your mind. Saying the spiritual reality, it's actually already there. All all of it is still there now available. But the the transforming comes from changing the way we think about that. We need to posture our brains to begin to think, oh, hang on, this new reality. That's my reality. I can live in that. I no longer have an obligation, Paul says in Romans 8. I don't have an obligation to live according to then. Now I can live according to now. The interesting thing about that is your mind, your human strength, your rationale, it can't change anything. We have no strength in ourselves to do that, but the positioning of our mind positions us to catch the wind of God's spirit. And so whilst we bring nothing to the table, the way we choose to think can alter which reality we choose to live into and how we're empowered. So let's go on. Romans 8, pick it up in verse 14. He says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship and by him, we cry Abba father or dad. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. He's saying that then we were slaves. We were separate. We're in, fear of judgment, but now we are sons. And son is a positional term. It's not a gender term there. It's positional. It's saying, I'm in the family with authority. I'm in the family with responsibility now. And so girls, we need to be okay that we can be called in a positional term, sons, just as guys need to be okay that we're the bride of Christ. You know, we just got to get over all the way we look at these things. Sonship is a positional aspect to our life. It means I'm in, I have the authority of the father. and I have the responsibility that goes with that. He also says there that we're children. So we're not only sons, we're children. So it's okay for all of us to recognize that side. And being children is a relational term. It means God is not my judge and just my master. God is my father. It's a relational term. There's affection that comes with that. There's acceptance that comes with that. There's love that comes with that. We are children of God. We are loved by the father. It's not dependent on performance, on how good or bad we've been that day the father always loves his children. And so this is a relational shift that changes pretty much everything. And it all becomes available because of the spirit in our life. Paul says the marker of the children of God is the fact that the spirit lives in us. And so you can begin to see why Jesus could say so clearly, it's better that I go because then you're gonna get all this. Paul goes on to say, we're not only children, uh, we're not only sons, but we're heirs. He says in Romans 8 verse 17. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. So he's saying before and in the then realm, we had no personal responsibility to be building God's kingdom. But now, in the now, we we are his heirs. We get to partner with him. We are heirs. This is our kingdom, it's, not, it's God's kingdom, but we get to partake in that because we are co-heirs with Christ. We build the family business, so to speak. That's what that terminology meant back then. It means we inherit the kingdom life. This eternity is not just one day when we pass away. It's now. It's God, your kingdom come as it is in heaven. Let it be on earth. Let it look more like heaven down here, just as it does up there. And we can extend that kingdom life now. You see, if the early believers, if they thought that, um, you know, well, why do anything in this world? Because God's going to come and judge the whole world. It's all going to be wiped away one day. If they, if they thought through that sort of theology, they would never have done what they did. They wouldn't have given up their life to, to, to serve the gospel and, and spread the kingdom. Um, because they would have thought, well, why bother? It's all going to get wiped out. And the way we view our future depends, uh, will govern entirely how we live out our present. And so when the kingdom comes and when Jesus returns, he's going to renew all things. That which is of him is going to continue to go on. You know, and, and if they'd have lived like, well, why bother? We wouldn't be here today. There'd be no modern church. There'd be no gospel for us to, to spread. There'd be no church and so on. There'd be no morality, no social justice, all the things that, that Christianity continues to bring to the world. See, we do this because we're co-heirs with Christ. The kingdom, God's kingdom, is actually our kingdom. Uh, we serve him and we serve his purposes, but we're co-heirs with that incredibly profound spirituality. So this now, this now of the spirit in our life, it changes things. It changes everything. I can learn to tap into that more fully. And we need to recognize, I guess, that there must be more of this for us. We're not just Living like we did pre-Jesus, where we do our best and hope to please God enough one day. Life is so much more than that. There's an abundance. Jesus offered life. He offered rivers of living water to flow from us. And if that's not our experience, then the offer is there for it to be our experience. We need to pursue it just as those in Jesus' day had to pursue Him. So over the next few weeks, I want to tease this out and start looking at, well, what can we receive now that was also available then, but in a different way? Look at the fact that we've looked at today that the relationship with God has fundamentally shifted. We can look at the grace to live. Um, the power that the Spirit gives us every day is available to us. The ability to tangibly walk with God as they walked with Him in the flesh so we can walk with Him minute by minute, moment by moment at the desk where we are at work, uh, you know, in the lounge room as we're watching TV, He can be with us and we can tap into the, the power and the grace of that. We look at the reason that He gives us to live. And we look at the guidance for life and the way he does that in this now that we're living in. And so let's pause for a moment and and consider, is this our reality? Is this our experience now? Well, the promise is that it can be. The reality and the theology is uh, it should be. Uh, So it's up to us. And if there's any skill, I guess, that we haven't cultivated too well in uh, modern living is how to actually partner with the Spirit. And, And if there's anything that confounds me, it's how so many of us in the, in the Christian faith can set ourselves against the whole topic of how we live more powerfully from the Holy Spirit. But this is what we're committed to at this church is to how to find a credible and powerful way to live from this renewed heart that so much of New Testament Scripture talks about, promises and expects of us to be living from. And so the first step is to acknowledge I'm not living completely from this experience. I, ha- I know it in part, but there's definitely more for me to pursue. And probably much more than I could ever realise. And so that's a great starting point. It's not an exclusive walk for the special people, it's for all of us to enjoy, an empowered walk with God's grace. And so we can own it. We can own it, the fact that this is my responsibility to pursue and to walk more into that. And so the Spirit needs to be sought today, just as Jesus needed to be sought Back in his day, he didn't make it as easy as we would all think. He, he made himself deliberately confusing sometimes so that we would pursue him, not just sit back like consumers and, and take in every word and just keep taking in. He said, no, I want, you to, I want you to pursue. You need to come into a relational context. It's not you're not an observer. We need to go from being fans to being followers. And so the spirit is very much the same dynamic. So our response needs to be coming to him, to leaning into the spirit to coming after the Father, to, to longing for this adoptive heart to be our heart. See, your father may have been distant or harsh or, or whatever it was, and that's not unusual. Your family life might have been dysfunctional, but we don't need to relate to God in the same way that relate to earthly people. He is perfect. He's always present. He's always gracious. He's always able to forgive. He's always able to give us everything, everything that we need to live. His promises are incredibly clear on that. And so we need to come to the Father. We need to make the choice, moment by moment, to lean into Him, not lean into our own strength. So as we close, let's just pray into that right now. Let's pray together. Lord, I just pray into every household, Father, through every device that's watching this. I pray, Lord, that your presence would be more apparent right now. Lord, I pray for each heart, that they would be able to not only humbly admit that we need to lean more into you, but Lord, have a longing to go beyond A sense of lack or of guilt and leave that behind because your word has said there's no condemnation for us. But the offer is there to lean in, to tap into more grace, to tap into more empowerment, more joy, more life. So Lord, I release that into their lives and permission and faith to rely on that. So will you be ever closer and may you give us the grace to lean ever closer into you today in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, perhaps you're looking at this and wondering, is this faith for me? We'd love to talk with you. We'd love to take you on the steps of that journey of following and having faith in this Christ. There'll be a link on the screen now and we'd love to make contact with you and talk to you about that and help you on your journey. So bless you now and we'll see you again soon.